Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best value registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. There are greater rewards for working in a disciplined fashion towards honoring a relationship with Jesus by being in His Word every day. I mean, it's a privilege, and I just, I race to my Bible in the morning because I can't wait to read what he has to say and to understand how the Spirit is going to speak to me that day, for that hour, for that moment. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about the messy, less than perfect, but real stuff of life. My name's Jill Savage, and I'll be your host. I'm so glad you're here. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast. You know, sometimes life is hard. It seems like one challenge follows another. And if we don't keep our head and our heart in the right place, we can slip into living a discouraged and even defeated life. My friend Rachel Wojo is joining me today. Rachel has experienced divorce and miscarriage. She's lost her mother to leukemia her special needs daughter to a rare syndrome after watching her suffer daily for many years. And recently her husband lost his job for no fault of his own. It has not been an easy journey. And yet she inspires me. She has found that God's word is where we find solutions to all of life's problems. And I really look forward to unpacking that today. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, Rachel. Well, thank you so much for having me, Jill. It is an honor to be with you. You know, I've, I have been a fan for many years, so I'm just excited to be able to be with you today. Well, thank you. You do. You really do inspire me. You have been through so much and you just inspire me to keep on keeping on and to keep digging into God's word. I love that. Yeah, that is really where the source of all of my strength is from. And Mm -hmm. so it amazes me when people say, you're so strong. And I think to myself, if they only knew (laughs) (laughs) it's not me at all, what they're seeing is a result of spending time with Jesus. And Mm -hmm. so... I'm, I just get to be the recipient of his grace. <laughs> I love that. Yes. So uh, you, tell us just a little bit about your family. I mean, where do you guys, yeah, tell yeah, us about your kids. Yeah. We have a crazy busy family. So Matt and I have a family of eight altogether. We have two in heaven. 
Um, one that we never were able to meet face to face and mm-hmm. one that we held in our arms and cared for for 22 years. We have six children on earth and, um, and a bonus, the son-in-law, you know how that works, right? Yeah. <laughs> you only add, you never subtract. That's right. And so I have my daughter and oldest daughter and son-in-law who live beside us in the house beside us. And then we have five kids at home. We have Michael, who's 19, Tristina is 17, Samuel is 15, and Tara and Tessa are 11 and 9. Right now, we're all odd numbers, but I'll have to think a little harder about all those numbers in another month, because then I'll have some odds and an even. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Just even hearing that makes me feel really tired, Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) It's a happening place for sure. Oh my goodness. Yes, it is. And really, they're all preteen and above. So you're out of the diaper stage, but you're into the, uh, where it is emotionally more exhausting. True. True. Very true with the teenagers in the in the preteen years with how much it takes to emotionally keep up and then the, the amount of prayer that you need to spend time in praying for them because as they increase that independence, your opportunities to speak into their lives decrease just a little bit, you know, and you have to take advantage of every opportunity and really be wise. So constantly praying for guidance in my parenting for sure. (laughs) Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. So you wrote a book and it's titled One More Step, Finding Strength When You Feel Like Giving Up. And we all have times where we feel like giving up, but I'd love for you to tell us about a time where you felt like giving up. Well, I think one of the most difficult times for me was when my mom received her diagnosis of leukemia. And I was, you know, just a young mom myself. And my mom was everything to me. She was my best friend. So to spend that, you know, to face that time when she had that diagnosis. And it was very strange because her original diagnosis was anemia. And then it quickly turned into a diagnosis of leukemia once all of the tests. So about four weeks, we just thought that my mom had a rare type of anemia. And then at after four weeks, the diagnosis came back with leukemia and it was so much more serious than what we originally thought. So I just remember really struggling when my mom passed away. We only had her for six months after that diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And I really struggled at one point. I just remember bawling on the bed and my husband came in and he opened up the Bible to the Psalms and he handed it to me and said, this is what helped me when I was struggling. And that moment for me was pivotal because I, all of the childhood that I had of growing up in a Christian home and growing up in a Christian school, you know, when you have a background of Christianity in your life and you have that background of knowing that you need to have spiritual disciplines, that you want to study God's word, you want, but it can become very rote and it be, it can become very meaningless. And honestly, for me, 
I would tell you I had a relationship with the Lord, but looking back now, 20 years later, I can tell you that that relationship was pretty shallow and that um, I had my parents' faith, which was awesome. It was a great heritage to have that passed down to me. But as a young adult, all of a sudden, without my mom there, I was faced with the reality of, do I know God for myself and do I believe his word? for what it is. So that is when I realized that, you know, there's a lot more to this. I I seriously wanted to give up in those moments where I lost my mom. Oh, I bet you were even thinking like, I can't do this. I can't be a mother without my own mother. I, I felt that way. And I definitely just, she was such a solid part of my life that I didn't know how I would go on without her. So that it, it that was probably, you know, that's been over 20 years ago and that was probably the first time where I was faced with the reality of our humanity and the reality of death and suffering and the role that it plays in everyone's life that's on earth, you know, no one is exempt. And so I think at that point I realized sometimes you can only go a step at a time. And there are seasons in our lives where, you know, all of a sudden this, this person and Jill, you know, me on a personal level, how analytical I am and strategic I am and check off the box. Yes, you are. (laughs) (laughs) Check off the box kind of girl. That's just the way my mind works, you know? And so for the first time in my life, I had to cope with something where I couldn't just check off the boxes. You know, there was no check off the box for grief and I had to, had to figure out how to run to God's word when discouragement strikes and how to do that on my own. Mm, Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah, you're exactly right. And to realize that we have a, we have that help before us and available to us at all times, but we have to remember that it's there. We have to know that it's there and we have to know how to access it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Well, let's, you know what you're, you're talking about grief. Let's, let's go there for a little while because, you know, I know that, that your mother's death caused really your very first experience with deep, deep grief. Um, but you've also walked through grief uh, as you said, with a miscarriage, you've walked through grief uh, recently in the a little over two years ago when your tailor passed away. And uh, one of the things I so appreciate about you, Rachel, is that you've really pulled back the curtain on your grief and you have uh, shared some of it uh, in a public realm, you know, through your blog, um, through your social media. And, you know, I know that there are people listening that are grieving. And so my question would be, what would you want them to know? What do you think is important for for someone who is grieving to understand or someone who's not grieving, but someday will be because we all will walk through that? What's important for us to know as it relates to grief? I think what I told you before about checking off the boxes, you know, that is what we want with grief. And a lot of us think we've heard the analogies of grief explained in stages. And so because we've heard those stages and those analogies, 
we think, okay, I made it through the anger phase, check that one off. And now I'll move on to, you know, whatever else I'm dealing with, whatever emotions I'm dealing with. And so the problem with that mentality is that there are no boxes to be checked off. They are emotions that you're dealing with and they will come back and rear their ugly heads again, sometimes at the worst opportune moments and triggers will come along and tick you off or whether the the emotion is anger or sorrow or just deep discouragement or dismay, whatever emotion it is. We don't get to just check it off and move on. We are constantly building ourselves to cope with all of these new emotional stresses and triggers. And so I really believe the number one question that people have asked me in the last year, especially as I've started to meet with people more and I've started to um, continue ministering as far as speaking from a platform, the number one question always asked after events or after speaking, you know, the emails is, Mm -hmm. does this get any easier? Because for someone who is in the pit of grief, in the deepest pits of grief, no matter the loss, they always want to know, does this get any easier? And I just break the news to them. The fact of the matter is, I don't personally believe that it does get easier. But the flip side to that is, you can get stronger. So it may not get easier, The situation doesn't change. You can't bring back what has been lost. When you experience loss, it's gone forever. But you do have the opportunity to build yourself stronger, to walk with the Lord, to strengthen yourself. And as you strengthen yourself and as you are purposeful to get into God's word and and not just that, but, you know, all of the other practical measures that you can take, give yourself grace as you build your strength, whatever that is that just seems like it's so overwhelming and so difficult and so trying and unbelievably hard, you will start to feel that strength take place and you'll start to, I don't want to say move on, but you will start to move forward. Okay. So whatever this loss is, it's moving with you, right? As you change, it's morphing and changing and you're experiencing different layers of emotions. But as you begin to get stronger, it may not be getting any easier, but you are able to cope with it more. You are able to move forward in a fashion where you believe God is directing you, you know, and for someone who has Christ at the center of their life, you have to know and trust that this is part of his plan and that you're going to move with him in his plan because none of us want to get stuck, right? Right. None of us want to get stuck to where we're not seeing God's purpose and plan in our lives. And we, I would hate for my life that God has entrusted me with to end right now, even though I'm still living because of Taylor's death. On the contrary, I want Taylor's story to continue to be told and those victories that we've experienced for those to continue to be told and for there to be a legacy, a faith legacy that lasts and continues for on, on forever and ever. I love that. Yes. 
Yes. Um, and I think that's what Taylor would want as well. Yes. Yes. That is sure. absolutely what she would want. Wow. I love the uh, picture of the grief doesn't get easier, but you get stronger. And so therefore you experience, you begin to experience emotionally something different as you move forward. That's really, really powerful. You know, what struck me as you were just sharing that story is there's, there's kind of two forms of grief. There's grief from a, 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 a loss uh, where something literally is gone. Um, but you had to experience grief through Taylor's whole journey mm-hmm. because that, and that was almost a, a, I don't know if you would call that a daily grief. Um, but would you share just a little bit about that? Because Taylor went from being a functioning toddler to being very non-functional towards the end of her life. And you did watch her suffer. So there's the grief of suffering. Talk about that just a little bit. And and what did God teach you in in that journey? You know, Taylor was a very bubbly three-year-old. She could talk, sing. She's very joyful. And I often put her hair in pigtails. She had this gorgeous hair. I would put it in pigtails or put it in braids and they would just bounce And so the, you know, the little bouncy pigtail girl brought so much joy everywhere she went. People were fascinated by her. She was happy and she sang a lot. And so to watch that gradually leave us was very, a very difficult journey. I think any parent who has a child with her disease, mucopolysaccharidosis, they will tell you that that neurological or physical degeneration, according to the type of MPS. For her, it it was both. Every cell is affected. So gradually she lost skills. At first, it was just that she stopped using her words. So she could not call me mommy anymore. Um, Her last word was ice cream. I guess if you have to have a last word, that's a pretty good one, right? (laughs) And, And she then... Um, She could sing for quite some time, even after she had lost her inability to talk or call me mommy or daddy Matt, but she could sing. And then gradually she lost her ability to sing, which was, you know, absolutely disheartening and discouraging because for many, many nights, that was how she went to sleep at night. She sang herself to sleep. And Mm -hmm. so to lose, to lose that and watch that was very difficult. And then she gradually lost her ability to chew, to swallow, to walk. And um, that road of suffering is long and hard. Yeah. Um, 22 years old before her little brain just decided that it, it there were, there was no more, um, there were no more pathways left to be open for her brain to continue functioning. And so that is the gradual neurological degeneration that happens. We had a lot of practice with grief for that reason, you know? And so I guess that is one of the reasons why losing her, the amount of grief and sorrow that I felt surprised me a little bit, honestly, still, 
because we had had so much practice. And so in my mind, I thought we've lived through a lot of loss. We've lived through lost day after day after day, gradually for so many years, you'd think we would be veterans at this. Mm-hmm. But the loss of a child is so extremely painful. It's just not the way God intended it when we were created. Mm-hmm. And so um, that loss is is indescribable. I really cannot explain to you Um, the amount of grief that I felt. And so my family, my children who are living is what kept me going. And Mm -hmm. I think that for this conversation in regards to grief, I, I believe that you really have to give yourself a lot of grace, a lot of grace and a lot of margin So, Mm -hmm. you know me, I do like to be busy and I do like to accomplish things and I do like to check off lists. And suddenly I realized that those checkoff lists were not nearly as important as what I thought they were and that I needed to take a little bit of a step back in some of the areas that I was such a go-getter in, you know, so I, I gave myself margin and grace and I'm so glad that I did. And I would encourage anyone else who's listening today, if you're in those initial stages of grief, give yourself a lot of grace and a lot of margin. And if you're someone who's listening, who says, you know, I don't know what it's like to lose a child and I don't want to know, but I want to be able to help my friend, you know, who's experienced loss. And for that person, I would say, again, give yourself, give your friend a lot of grace because yes. you just it it's really strange how everyday life especially for us those triggers that i talked about earlier come at the most bizarre strange times uncontrolled you know it's just part of living life for instance i um purchased pajamas at target that was my go to spot for taylor every year she wore footy pajamas and every fall they would you know, seasonally put out a big batch of footed pajamas that had the zipper up the front. And because her circulation was so poor, those pajamas were, you know, lifesavers for us. Even in her, you know, latter years as a 20 something year old, she, she wore footed pajamas. So the first year she passed away January 2nd, 2019. And so that fall, when the pajamas came out and I went into Target and saw them for the first time, yes. it was just so overwhelming. You know, can't even describe to you how overwhelming it was. I felt like I was supposed to walk over there and look at them and pick a, pick a couple out, you know, because it was just part of what I had done for year after year. And I, yes. I think that if you have a friend who's grieving, you just don't know. Those are the little things that I can describe to you. Yes. But you don't know what your friend's triggers are maybe. And so just give a lot of grace mm-hmm. in everyday life. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I have I found that, uh, and, you know, losing my father and, you know, and he's really the person the closest to me that I have ever lost. I know that it is... Uh, nothing compared to losing a child, but grief is like a tsunami. Things are quiet, the water's quiet, and then all of a sudden a wave comes 
Mm-hmm. And I've caught myself doing the silliest things and all of a sudden having that emotion well up mm-hmm. in me at the most inopportune times. Yeah. You know, yeah, for sure, for sure. And you know what, what you just said, I just want to encourage you with this too and, and encourage our listeners today. One of the other myths about grief that I really firmly believe in, and I think that this is a strong word for people, is that we talk a lot about comparison in regards to, you know, don't compare your middle to someone else's um, ending or don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle. We talk about comparison a lot in a general scheme of life, but I've not heard a lot of discussion about comparing grief. And I think that is something that I would encourage people to make sure you're not doing that. I can't compare my grief to another family who has MPS. I know they have lost three boys to the same disease that I have lost my tailor to. And so Mm. to compare, you cannot, you cannot compare. And I would just encourage each and every person out there, know that your situation is unique and it is different and that it is worthy of grief and never feel like you are comparing, well, that person lost X, Y, Z, and I've only lost, you know, this, or that person experienced this heartache and heartbreak and this long-term suffering. And I only experienced loss at, you know, in one day, everything changed. So you just can't compare situations. And I would just encourage everyone listening not to compare grief. We tell each other, you know, and we tell ourselves not to compare. Don't compare grief because it is all unique and it's all different. Mm, That is such a good word. Thank you, Rachel. Such a good word. You know, and as we were having that grief conversation and as we were talking also about suffering, really this dovetails into really the strength that God's word brings to us and understanding God's character, because so often, especially when people struggle with when they see someone suffering or they have to walk through suffering in any way, shape or form, we blame God. Oftentimes there's a blame there Mm -hmm. and that's when people struggle in their faith. And And yet what I have found is the more I'm in God's word, I come to understand this world is a very broken place. And when bad things happen in this world, it's not that God does them. It's it's because of the brokenness of the world. But the more I'm in God's word, the more I understand who he is. And I couldn't possibly blame him for those things. What have you found as it relates to You that? know, I I automatically think of this one day, Jill, when I was struggling with the amount of suffering that Taylor was going through. And I just remember standing, looking out her window and crying out to the Lord and saying, God, you don't know what is, I was so upset and so angry. And I said, God, you don't know what it's like to watch your child suffer and die. And immediately, immediately, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, yes, I do. I watched my child suffer and die for you. 
And so I just, I just believe when we know the heart of God and we're close to the heart of God through his word, you know, I would say that arriving at that point, standing in that window and watching her suffer and having that conversation with him and then receiving that word back from him, that was a journey of 10 years, a decade of 10 years of walking with him and trying to build a relationship with him and believing God and praying with him. You know, it just didn't come as some sort of epiphany that, you know, miraculously, I just realized that God had done something for me that I could not do for myself and that his love was so much greater. And that because of his son suffering and die, Taylor is in heaven and I get to see her there again. And so the reality of that in that moment all came first full circle, but it was a long journey for me to get there for sure. Yes. yes. And I love that you, I mean, God can take our anger. He can take our hurt. Uh, you were honest with him. There's, there's nothing wrong with having those conversations. But when we're in God's word, what I've come to understand is we increase the Holy Spirit's vocabulary in our lives. Yes. yes. And that's Amen. what happened in that moment is right. you knew that, but it became very, very real. Right. Absolutely. That's good stuff. I believe that God would rather hear about our bad days as not hear from us at all. I mean, if you think about your own children, you know, you want to hear about their bad day. You want to hear from them, even if it's not going to be a, a picture perfect, rosy, you know, we're on the No More Perfect podcast here. I mean, the reality is we need to be able to communicate our sorrows to the Lord yes. and he can handle it. He can handle our anger. He can handle our despair. He can handle our discouragement. He has it all under control. And yes, what you said about the Holy Spirit, you know, just creating the pattern of awareness. And many times people say, I don't, I can't hear God speak. I've never heard God speak. And I've never heard God audibly speak to me. I've no, never, me neither. <laughs> you know, if you have, praise the Lord for you, but I have not had that experience. But I have had a conviction deep in my soul where I believe his spirit is speaking to my spirit and he is relaying information to me. And the story that I just described to you earlier is one of those moments where I believe that, you know, with all my heart, it was like the Lord specifically brought that scripture to my mind, brought those references to my mind, brought, you know, the full circle view of his plan and his purpose for my life as well as Taylor's. Yes. Yes. So very true. Well, you know, it just seems like this is, let's talk, this is just a natural place for us to, to talk more about what it is that you offer you know, through your blog and uh, your social media and all of that, you started offering something called Bible reading challenges. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm amazed at the, um, just how these have literally gone all over the world. You have 30,000 subscribers and your six week Bible reading plan. That's a Bible reading plan for children has been used by 
4 million people worldwide. Okay. That's amazing, Rachel. (laughs) So why, you know, I think as we are talking about the importance of being in God's word, obviously this is one of the reasons you believe in sharing these monthly Bible reading challenges, but talk about those and why you think that they are important. I would not be, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, where I am today if it were not for God's word, which is my total lifeline. And so I realized many years ago, the first Bible reading challenge I hosted, and I can't even remember what year it was, but I decided that I would read through the Bible in a year. And I had done that before. But then I invited my audience at the time to join me and we started reading through the Bible in a year. And the strangest thing was that gradually people dropped off and dropped off and dropped off and to the, the, to the point where at the end of the year, I'm not even sure if anyone was still reading with me or not, to be honest. <laughs> and I did make it through the Bible that year, but it made me aware of a lot of things. One is that The average person is not a one-year read your Bible, the whole thing through kind of person. The other is that it's very difficult to feel like you're developing a relationship with the Lord when you're reading different passages and large blocks if you've never read the Bible before, and a lot of people haven't. So I just really had this heart for creating something that would allow people to take small segments of time, like one month, and focus on a topic. So not necessarily read the Bible in order, Matthew chapter one, all the way through the end of the book, you know, John chapter one, all the way through the end of the book. While I love that contextual reading, and I really believe in that, and it can be used I felt like what people need when they don't know God's word is to be able to take a topic and read what the Bible says about that topic, really understand, you know, what God's word says and read those promises that are written over and over again. So one example for you might be, you know, one of the most difficult things for us is waiting on God's timing. Mm -hmm. We, we want, I want, I don't know about you, but I just, there were many times where I prayed, over Taylor and just said, Lord, if you will let me hurry up and learn what I'm supposed to learn through this so that we can move on, that would be great, you know, so that you could heal her. Then if you would just, whatever I'm supposed to learn, help me to learn it. You know, I wanted the fast track and I wanted that um, instantaneous gratification, even emotionally and spiritually, not just the physical side of it. But God didn't do that. He instead invited me into a relationship that was deeper and that would provide for the long haul. And so these Bible reading challenges really are just 31 days concentrated on a specific topic that help us understand what the Bible has to say about that topic. And then it developed into more and more, you know, I, um, for the last year, have created actually a couple of years, but specifically in the last year because of COVID year, we worked towards offering digital downloads so that people could print at home because mm-hmm. there weren't any real printing options available right away. You know, Amazon closed off book sales for a few weeks and, you know, different shipping became a little bit more of a challenge with everyone needing to get every single thing in their life shipped to them. 
right? <laughs> and so I began offering these digital downloads where it really is not just a Bible reading plan, but it's also a journal that you can work through and answer just a few basic questions every day so that you have a scripture guide, a prayer guide, and it is all focused on this you know, one topic so that seamlessly throughout a month, you can be honed in on a specific topic and really grow your faith through that. I just believe that God used that in my own life so greatly that I was compelled to share it. And I've always just tried to follow through with what God, whatever God had in regards to what I shared. So it's been incredible to watch him. And you know this from your own life, Jill, that he does the multiplication. You know, we walk through obedience the best that we can. And he is the one who offers the multiplication. So, I mean, it, it blows me away to think that so many children have read through a six week plan of, you know, reading the book of John and my own kids, my teenagers laugh about this, but they say, you know, remember mom, when we used to get treats for our Bible reading. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, yes, I do. I remember that. (laughs) Oh, that's great. I love it. Oh, I was just going to say, I would encourage you that there are, you may not get an Oreo or, you know, a a nut or butter or whatever, but there are greater rewards for working in a disciplined fashion towards honoring a relationship with Jesus by being in his word every day. I mean, it's a privilege and I just, I race to my Bible in the morning because I can't wait to read what he has to say and to understand how the spirit is going to speak to me that day for that hour, for that moment. And that's, I guess the long haul of it is that I won't ever stop because it is a journey. There is no destination. Oh, yes, you know yourself. That's the incredible thing about God's word. It's living and active and it meets us where we are because of the Holy Spirit. So it's the only book that you can read the same verse, the same passage 10 times and receive a different word receive a different principle or view every time because the Holy Spirit works inside of us as we're reading it. And so I would just encourage anyone who's listening, if you're struggling, boil it down to a psalm a day. Read a psalm a day if you cannot do anything else. Mm -hmm. I love that. I'm curious, what um, are some of the most popular Uh, studies that you have offered, because they are topical and they are, you know, what God says about blank, right? What have been some of the more popular ones? So the most popular in the last year by far is praying the Psalms and it's 31 days of bearing grief before God. And this particular praying the Psalms is not about the praise of God. It really is about reading all of the Psalms that are grieving Psalms, that are sorrowing Psalms, and walking through what that looks like. And so that has been the most popular, the crazy popular for the last year. And then also one of the other ones that people really, really like is called Rest for the Weary. And it is about the topic that you and I had discussed earlier about fatigue and how difficult it is when we're just tired 
You know, we're just Mm -hmm. flat out tired and trying to find energy. And this rest for the weary encourages us to take rest in the Lord. I don't know about you, but for COVID season, Mm -hmm. I felt like I was doing twice as much work in many ways. I had the the children home from school. So I was trying to work, you know, help them with their work. I also felt like every little thing seemed like it took so much more energy and so much more time. You know, when I did go to the store, it was, you know, making sure I had all these parameters in place and that I was, you know, socially distancing and making sure that I was following all the guidelines that were set out. And then I would come home and wipe everything down and put it all away. It just seemed like every little simple activity that I took for granted before now required an extra step or two, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think rest for the weary has been popular because of that reason. People are just tired. It's been a long season in the last year or so. And I see a lot of hope and light on on the horizon, mm-hmm. as I'm sure you do too. But um, I think that's the other, other Bible reading plan that has been pretty popular this year. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love, and I love how you put things in bite-size format. And I think we do need that. We need those bite sizes because our tendency is we look at the Bible and it looks big and it's lots of words. Mm-hmm. And if we, if we, you know, are not real familiar with it, we don't know where to start. So mm-hmm. I love that you give a very practical way to get yourself in God's word and uh, we'll make sure and include links uh, to your website and uh, the studies. Um, we'll keep that in the show notes. So if you're listening and you'd like to uh, connect to some of Rachel's resources, uh, make sure you head over to jillsavage.org slash podcast, and you can find the show notes that uh, we will link to. Rachel, you know, we have covered a lot. We've covered grief. Uh, we've covered being in God's word. We've covered just the hard journeys of life, suffering, I am sure that there are those in our audience that are experience those things, experiencing them in real time right now. So would you close us out today? Would you just close us out by praying uh, for those that are walking through that? I would love to do that. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for the opportunity to share with Jill. And God, I pray that you would bless her, Lord, bless her for all the work that she puts in, the number of people that she reaches, and yet her and her husband, Mark, God, I pray that you would just continue to use them as you are. Bless them, Lord Jesus, for all of their efforts. And God, now I pray for each person listening. Lord, it can seem to be all-encompassing here in this world, especially grief and sorrow, experience of loss, devastation, so many different types of loss that we experience here in this world. But Lord, you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. And we look forward and anticipate not just in heaven, not just at the end, not just the destination, but Lord, the journey that you have for us each and every day to walk with you, to learn from you, to experience the fruits of the spirit, joy, peace, long suffering. Lord, we I pray now that each person listening would experience those very things, that you would give them the strength 
to dig into your word, to just pull back one scripture, to read a psalm, to put some margin in place to give themselves grace as they walk through this grief. God, I praise you and thank you for what you're doing in our lives, for how you orchestrate every detail. And I pray that each person listening now would familiarize themselves with that very concept that you are in the everyday and that you love us so much. We praise you and thank you for what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over at jillsavage.org slash podcast. See you next week for another not perfect, but very important conversation about the real stuff of life.